Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, were you like me? Were you waiting for SummerSlam until you were going to go, well, I wonder what the Triple H era is going to be like? I'm going to presume yes. If you are watching Ups and Downs, but you haven't watched SummerSlam 2022, you better do, because I think when we look back in hindsight, it may be a pivotal moment for the company. And hello, my friends. My name is Simon from What Culture, and that's right. I suppose the second biggest premium live event that World Wrestling Entertainment puts on is in the books. I'm just going to give you a little bit of a spoiler. It was absolutely badass. Let's up those doubts. I just love an outside stadium. I know that WWE wants to do more of these and I am totally cool with it. Although Jimmy Smith still did call this a premium live event, so I suppose some things are never going to change. However, our first match was Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's title. <laughs> Ooh, Delaney. And these two, two, I mean, Becky came out wearing this thing that looked like she had a sundart on her head. And while the stage wasn't as grand as what we do do for WrestleMania, I mean, it was based on this tiny screen that looked like an indie show had done really well. There is just something so cool about the look and the feel. So as soon as I sit down, my brain goes, oh my gosh, I'm really interested. Otherwise, yep, they absolutely smashed it. I mean, Becky was going for Bianca's arm in the early going. <laughs> Belair was like, no, I don't want to do that. So she did a moonsault and she hit the KOD into Barry Barricade. Well, she tried to anyway, but instead Lynch landed on her feet. She then kind of draped Bianca Belair over Baz, and then she hit this leg drop. <laughs> the match has only been going five minutes. She then did this again when Bianca Belair was over the ropes and tried again, but Belair was like, look, I'm not stupid, I'm not going to allow you, so she whammed her with a powerbomb. And this is when Big Time Bex was like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot, Bianca's got long hair, why don't I try to use it? And I'll tell you why, it didn't work. Bianca Belair has had that hair for what, 25, 26, 27, 28 years, so she reversed it and poof, Lynch went into read a ring post. This was such a showcase for Belair, she even caught Becky Lynch in midair at one point. But this is when the gammy arm went into play because she couldn't follow up on it. It really didn't hurt her too much though, because then it was proper wrestling tennis. I mean, it was back and forth, go, go, go. <laughs> yes, she did hit the KOD on the outside. I mean, flub me. The arm was then a problem again, and Bianca was desperately trying to get Lynch back in the ring, but then basically went, oh well, shrug emoji. And she was all ready to win by count out when Bex summoned all the power from her lungs. 
she got back in at 9.999. So while they were instantly then tussling on the top when they hit the floor, Becky Lynch said would hit the manhandle slam for a really good near fall. And then she was like, well, I know what I'll do. I'll hit another one from the second rope. Somehow, Bianca reversed it into a Spanish fly. She hit the KOD. One, two, three. I just started applauding. I was like, honestly, they have such good chemistry together. I've said it before. I'll say it again. They should be teaching science. I also think that one of Triple H's first big decisions too is to turn Becky Lynch back face because afterwards she walked up to Bianca like, oh my god, I can't believe it. And they shook hands, but they also hugged. So I was like, well, that's quite the pivotal moment. <laughs> Little did I know. Because I promise everything I'm about to tell you is 100% true. Because after these two had embraced, Bailey's music hit. And for the first time in 78 years, the hugger, or the former hugger, was back. And she got halfway down the aisleway when Dakota Kai's music hit. She came out. She got halfway down the aisleway where somewhere I think Io Shirai went, well, I don't want to not be a part of this. And she came out too. I'm not going to lie. I just went, and I fell on the floor. The absolute best part of all of this, though, is that Bailey, Dakota, and Io got in the ring as a force. They stared down Bianca Belair, where Becky Lynch got on her side too. So now we've got some kind of faction battle going. And you can only presume that Lynch and Bianca are going to get a third person. Surely there has to be Oscar as well. And if it does happen, I may retire from life because it's too good. <laughs> All of this happened in around about five minutes. I don't know about you, but once again, I was like, oh my gosh, things are a changing. Also, I'm pretty sure Bailey pitched this stable like a year ago and got told no. There you go. Things are moving in a new place and it's getting it up. There's quite the shift after this, though, because it was Logan Paul versus The Miz. I mean, what a world we're living in. Jumper and Maurice were out with The Miz as well, and they were all wearing these nifty green jackets, and I would like to wear one, although I'd never be able to wear it on these videos because you wouldn't be able to see me. I would just be a big hole. And fair play to everybody involved in this, because they knew what they were doing. Because as soon as it started, Logan Paul did a moonsault from the apron to the outside, and then he was doing drop kits, he was doing suplexes, he was doing blockbusters. And say whatever you like about Logan Paul, you're allowed as a free country. But this is his second ever wrestling match. If I had just sat down to watch WWE and had no idea of pop culture, I'd have had no clue. I would have just been like, well, what an athletic fellow. I mean, he even locked in the figure four at one point and it didn't get booed. People were quite cheerful for it. This is when Champa was just using all his MP by casting distraction. So the ref was like, look, bro, you're really making my job hard. Can you go to the back? So Champa went, okay, well, as you've asked, the answer is no. He got a chair and he just sat down. I tell you, I love Champa. This is when AJ Styles' music started to play. Though. I was like, oh my gosh, the shenanigans here. And he must have teleported down from the Starship Enterprise because he appeared from nowhere. He obliterated Champa. And then he just fought through the crowd to the back. This led to Paul hitting the phenomenal forearm as well. Although I suppose it was more like a decent kind of flying forearm thingamajig for a near fall. And given that it didn't work, he went outside, he took the Miz, he put him on Alan the announce table, and he then crushed them both using a frog splash. I'm sorry, you cannot just do that. Everyone thinks wrestling is so easy. I can assure you it's not. This was great. Maurice was also losing her mind because her husband was being killed. And in that fracas, the Miz got this steel chain. He went to punch Logan Paul. He missed. Logan hit the skull crushing finale. One, two, three. I want to be that guy. A little bit like a squash match. Once again, you've got to give credit to everybody involved because the fans basically were cheering Logan Paul. Kind of, kind of not. And he absolutely has some aptitude for this. So he should carry on. But I'm still going to say 
he'd be better as a bad guy, because most people do want to go boo, boo, boo. My life was then totally complete because we had this commercial with the Maximum Male models. It was so dumb. It was so good at the same time. And as I said on Smackdown Ups and Downs, you can make this work. Just go into your wrestling history book and find Rick Martell, the dude wrote the plan. We then jumped into our next match and it was Bobby Lashley versus Theory. It's kind of just there. I mean, there was nothing wrong with it, but quite clearly WWE has decided we can make Theory our whipping boy because he is Mr. Money in the Bank, and therefore, even if it goes lost, 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 he can go, ha, ha, who cares? I'm still technically the number one contender. So in short, well, yeah, that word, short, I've got in the ring, he beat Theory up, every now and then, we would get a little something, something in, Lashley eventually got bored, he applied the hurt lock, Theory tapped out straight away. Now, I do like it when people do that, because it makes the move, dare I say it, even more devastating, and now we do have to cross our arms and raise our eyebrows and think, well, what do we do with Bobby Lashley now? Because he is the US champion and he probably deserves a big feud because he's so over. We also have to talk about theory. But look, was this the best thing on the card? Not by a long shot. But was it more than okay? Yes. And it only went about five minutes up. More goodness followed as well. I was genuinely stunned. For it was the Mysterios versus the Judgment Day in a no DQ tag team match. And for the second time in a week, Ray and Dominic won. Look at me, I've turned into some kind of puppet. There was a great end to this though, so let's just talk about that. Mostly because the match was a decent tag team match between a bunch of teams that you know are decent. Now obviously Rhea Ripley had come out with the Judgment Day and she double tripped Ray and Dominic at one point. And as soon as she had done that, and Damien Priest was like, Rah, I'm going to do a big move. And I think Finn Balor had a chair. The lights went out and I was like, oh my God, it's The Undertaker. Wasn't the Undertaker. Instead, the flipping brood music hit. We cut to the entranceway. Somebody very handedly had beat a stairwell, and Edge came out the top of the stairwell with the fire and looking like he had just stepped out from 1998. He then got in the ring and absolutely murdered Finn Balor and Damian Priest with spears. He flubbed off. Ray and Dom were able to hit the double 619. Daddy Mysterio hit the splash. <laughs> That was the end of the match. I was like, wait a minute, let me just process my feelings like I'm a Jedi. Yep, there it is. I was sports entertained. I do have to admit that I'm a bit worried about Balor's group because they lose all the time and it does feel like a failed experiment. And also, while we are being negative Nancys, this was a no disqualifying tag team match and people kept tagging in and out. I wanted to ring them up and like, what what do you think is going to happen? But I tell you, I don't care. And the reason I don't care is because this was fun. I felt like getting up and doing some skipping afterwards because it didn't outstay its welcome. It was packed full of wrestling and you had a twist at the end on a premium live event that is meant to be a big deal. Once again, there is nothing I can do and I don't want to do anything else up. I actually missed this too, but somebody did tell me that there was some bickering during this match between Corey Graves and Michael Cole, or at least in one of the matches, where apparently they did make reference to the fact there's been mega dega changes and there has been because I tell you this, the announcing throughout the whole show was so much better. It was so much more fluid and organic and all those stupid words. And they were actually saying things that real people would say that I am going to give it its own very special up. I mean, Michael Cole especially, he was on fire. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Speaking of announcers as well, Pat McAfee versus Happy Corbin was after this. WWE just kept on doing what they had been doing the whole night. A good old-fashioned Donnybrook. No, not, I didn't mean that. I mean it was just a good match. It also had this terrific entrance as Paul Corbin had to come out to acquire that obviously Pat McAfee had put in place, singing bum-ass Corbin at him. But they also sang Pat McAfee's new theme tune... This is one of these special entrances where you feel a warm and fuzzy in your tum I was also laughing because at some point I think Alan, the announce table, had been fixed. So almost instantly, Happy Grab Pack me went there and he chucked him into it. I was like, here we go. Corbin even pushed Michael Cole at one point, which he got booed for doing so because he is just a mega ass. And then seriously, when they were back in the ring, Happy Corbin was on the top rope and Pat McAfee just jumped up there and gave him the superplex. And I tell you the best thing about McAfee matches, every now and then he looks a little bit wibbly wobbly, but he always pulls it off as he intended. And that gives you this real sense of fear, but also excitement. I like it. He also hit this swanton to the outside. So he's like Logan Paul. He's just watching guy and he's had like 0.5 of a match. How is he so good? And I really enjoyed the end of this one because what it did is it told you don't be a bad person because life will catch up to you. Because at one point Happy did indeed take out the referee by accident and when he turned around, given what he had done on SmackDown, Pat whacked him right in the balls and he gave him this code red Panama Sunrise thing from the rope. I mean, once again, it looked part devastating and part terrifying, but he got the win and there was just this feel-good feeling in the arena I'm giving it up. And sure, maybe this wasn't as good as McAfee's performance at WrestleMania, but I thought Corbin did a terrific job. And given that we have got here, let's kind of take this man and give him a little bit of an edge. I mean, he is an absolute giant. He is a huge human being, and I think it's time. However, if you don't want to do that, please bring back sad Corbin. The other day, I just went on YouTube and watched all of those clips. And I mean this, it may be the best gimmick of the last 10 years. And then Drew McIntyre came out. And he cut a promo. 
<laughs> okay, I suppose he is a big deal, and you can tell his mega push is coming. But he got a microphone, he said, Oi, I'm going to go to Clash of the Champions, and I am going to become all the WWE Champions. And he took his sword, he held it in the air, fireworks went off. So the big question, of course, is when we get to that premium live event, will Drew McIntyre become the WWE Unified Champion? And I tell you this, 50% of me says yes, and 50% of me says no, gotta count for something. What a wrestling card this was too, because while not every single thing we saw was a five-star classic, every single encounter did just manage to be entertaining. But I sat through every single match and was like, okay, well, I like this, but I didn't like this. But ultimately, I'm having a good time. And it was the same for the Usos versus the Street Profits for the damn tag team titles. Now, of course, Jeff Jarrett was also the special guest referee here, which means Double J has now been on every single WWE show since Vince McMahon left. And get that one through your head. And you already know the deal here. We've seen Jimmy, we've seen Jay, we've seen Montez Ford, and we've seen Angelo Dawkins tear it up constantly. And they never had a bad match, which is why, given the period of time we have just gone through, I want to shout out my man Angelo Dawkins. If we want to push Montez Ford at one point, fine, I get it, you should do it. But let's not leave Ange behind. He has just got so good over the last few months. He deserves it. I mean, he hit this crazy dive at one point and then got in the ring and pounced Jay out of his shoes. And this is when we got to the near falls of the evening. And any time somebody kicked out, the related team turned to Jeff Jarrett and they were like, Jeff, what are you doing? You were an absolutely crap referee. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You wouldn't have done that if it was a normal official. The dude kicked out of your move Maybe you should do another one. This happened both ways as well because Montez was really annoyed after he hit a frog splash. So I was like, well, maybe they just don't like J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T. Maybe they thought TNA GFW sucked. Otherwise, though, there was no real craziness here. There was no real shenanigans, which I thought is why Jeff got put in place. Eventually, the Usos just hit the 1D onto Angelo Dawkins. I mean, they'd super kicked everybody before this. And they pinned him. Jarrett looked kind of annoyed. And I was like, all right, isn't that, didn't you sign up to this? We were done. It was perfectly fine, though. And I think the Usos retaining the gold made sense, so I am going to give it up. But I'm truly baffled about why Jeff was involved in this. I know that we were in his kind of, like, territory, or whatever you want to call it. But I actually thought he was more of a distraction. Because I sat there the whole time going, well, something's coming. I watched it by myself. There was no one there. I mean, something is coming. And then it never came. So I did this. So I kind of think that anticipation took away from the in-ring action. So now that I ponder it in hindsight, I've got to get it down. Didn't need it. And then sheesh, who saw this coming? I don't mean Kid Rock, who we zoomed into in the front row as he kissed his girlfriend. I was like, well, I did not need to see that. I am talking about Riddle, who stormed to the ring and he was more serious and he was more mad than I've ever seen him. Now, please, you must listen to me. If you're one of these people going, well, I like the Riddle dude bro character, but he needs a bit of attitude, clearly this is what it was meant to be because he was so livid and he wanted to fight Seth Rollins right now. Rollins did turn up, though, and these two got into it. <laughs> when it ended, kind of made Riddle look a bit like an idiot. Because Seth used the fact that Riddle was injured to take advantage, and then he curb-stomped him again as the announcers absolutely flipped their legs. They were like, oh, no, oh, no, he's not medically cleared. He's got a bad brain or whatever it was and said brain just got stomped into the canvas maybe he's dead officials also checked on riddle and there was this real sense of oh no what have we done sounds like did we just do a major angle on a premium live event and we did so this feud is not done it feels like we're going mega big time with the build and it will culminate at clash of the castle i suppose so this was not only a smart idea 
but it made SummerSlam feel fresh. Like it came out of nowhere and it kept you on your tootsie toes. That's what you should always be doing. And speaking of angles, because it was Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's Championship and I made sure to settle my ass right into my couch. And then we were done in five minutes. Yep. Now the idea here was that Ronda was an arm killer, so she kept going after Liv Morgan's arm. And Liv Morgan, the champion, was so worried about someone going after her arm, she tried to stop them going after her arm. This didn't work eventually because Ronda was able to apply this arm bar, but after kind of squiggling around a little bit, Morgan was able to get Ronda Rousey's shoulders on the mat. So the referee went one, the referee went two, and the referee went three. But about a millisecond before this, Liv Morgan tapped out. The replay showed this too, so they weren't trying to trick you, they were letting you know this is the story. And Ronda was so mad afterwards, she beat the absolute crap out of Liv Morgan, and then she turned her sights on the referee to the point the WWE official had to come out and go like, please Ronda, no. Now I quite like the match, even though it was short, and it feels like Ronda Rousey turned heel, which is the correct thing to do, so I am going to give it an up. But I do have a slight problem with everything else. I just didn't really like the way this went. I'm sure we will establish Ronda as a bad guy going forward, but it didn't really come off here. But the worst part is that this made Liv Morgan feel like such a useless champion. She got in the ring, she got her ass whooped, and she won <laughs> by accident. It just begs the question, why didn't we have a straight winner? I get why you don't want to beat Ronda Rousey, but I have this other part of me that's like, what's the problem? Let's just beat Ronda Rousey. That happens in real fights all the time. Some kind of badass warrior gets in the ring and they get sparked out. And if we had have done that, everybody and their dog would have been like, wow, Liv Morgan is brilliant. I also thought that it felt messier than it needed to. And it just took something away from Liv, which we can easily get back. It is not a big deal at all, but I'm grading the SummerSlam on a curve. And it was so good, this part is getting it down. And then, I'm just going to say, I don't care. Holy sh**. The main event of SummerSlam. Good grief. So we all knew that it was Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, number 92,783, and that someone somewhere was going to have to drag out some badass ideas to ensure that this worked. Well, that happened from second one to, what, minute 22, or however long this went on for. This was a fabulous last match standing match and had me laughing the entire time. I mean, Brock Lesnar came to the ring on a damn tractor, and then during the introductions, he stood on the tractor, and as soon as we were done, he dove at Roman Reigns, and he took him out. Also before this, he threw the mic to Roman, because Brock had done his own introduction, and Roman just caught it, and I was like, man, that mother hubbard, he is the coolest man on the planet. This all happened before the bell went off too, and I bet Reigns was absolutely destroyed that somebody did ring it, because for a couple of minutes, Brock Lesnar was just killing this man. I mean, I was feeling a bit fuddy-duddy. I was like, it's meant to be wrestling. I think he's going to die. It was only after Paul Heyman cast distraction that Reigns was able to get back in there, and he threw Brock Lesnar through a table. And of course, this is when we started to get into the 10 counts, because once again, it's a last man standing match. Our tribal chief went absolutely nuts here too, because he kept throwing Brock through tables. I was like, wait a minute, you're supposed to be the head of the table. Why are you treating them so badly? But every single time the beast was able to get back onto his feet, Although I tell you, that man's back was bleeding. This also happened once again after Roman had dropped him with a spear and Brock got to his feet again. And I just whimsically looked off into the distance and thought to myself, man, we should all dream to be but like the beast. He's unstoppable. It looked like Brock was going to run over Roman at one point with the tractor, but instead he moved it so he could get Simba the steel steps and use that. And then he was German suplexing him all over the place. 
because once again he wanted to keep him down for the 10. He also hit an F5, but Reigns now wouldn't stay down. And this is when they started choking each other because they knew the deal. They were like, well, if I take all the oxygen out of his lungs, I think he's going to get up. Brock then got back into his tractor. And you are not going to believe this because he got the front part and he started smashing into the ring to the point it moved a couple of inches. And then he took the, I don't even know what you would call it, the wedge, put it under the ring and he lifted the squared circle into the air. Now, one, I don't think I've ever seen this before. And two, Roman Reigns just went flying out of the thing and crashed to the floor. And it was such a crazy, weird and different sight. It kind of looked like some kind of glitch in WWE 2K. You absolutely need to go and check this out, though, because it is wild. And by this point, I was like, oh, my gosh, this match is phenomenal. And the Usos were clearly terrified because they then came out and they tried to take out Brock Lesnar. They failed. Paul Heyman felt the same. So he got in the ring like, look, here's the belt. Please just take them and leave. I was like, Paul, I don't think it works like that. You don't have to figure this is the end for the feud as well, because finally Paul Heyman was F5 through a table. And I don't think we've seen that so far. And in terms of this match, it just kept getting crazier. Because at this point, Theory must have been watching from the back. I was like, well, this has got to be my moment, which made all the sense in the world. He did come out. He conked Roman on the top of the head with the briefcase. And just as he was about to cash it in, Lesnar was back up once more. The F5 theory on the floor. It did lead to another tease, though, because in the Usos attacked Brock, there was another spear, but Brock Lesnar wouldn't stay down. So what we basically did here is we found every single weapon possibly, we smashed in Brock's skull, and then the Usos and Roman Reigns kind of took all that debris, they buried Brock Lesnar, they stood on it to the point it was like, well, even if he is going to get up, he probably can't push that much force off of him. He was down for the 10, and this, I swear to you, my friends, was absolutely excellent. I mean, who saw it coming? The Bloodline all hugged afterwards and SummerSlam did go off air. This, this was something else. And I was so pleased Theory did try to catch in because if you were a smart hill and you saw this carnage, that's exactly what you would do. And I'm going to do this. I've just changed my mind as I'm talking. It's not just going to get an up. It's going to get a golden up. But I'm just taking the feel and the wonderfulness of SummerSlam and I'm putting in here too. But otherwise, yeah. What a smart creative match although let's never do it again also i want to let you know that yes roman reigns entrance took five minutes and 32 seconds so fair play to that guy he is living the dream and as you've already figured out SummerSlam gets an up to the point you should find what three four five hours today however long it went on sat down and you should check it out i haven't been this sports entertained in a while ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.